Hey folks, this is David Bourne, and you have found the David Bourne Show. In this episode, we are talking about My Story Part 3. It's a more spiritual journey, and therefore I went into the woods, a place where I find great spiritual, deep meaning, uh, and just connection. So uh, you're going to hear lots of clicks and pops and stepping on leaves this is recorded in stereo so listen on headphones if you get that chance and i hope you'll listen uh to the the voice in your heart that says hey maybe there's some changes that i would like to make enjoy Thanks for coming on a walk with me into my backyard and the woods that are next to my backyard. Crossing into the threshold now, going past a hemlock and some white pines. There's a little bit of a breeze. You might hear some wind on this stereo microphone. You may hear me come off to the side. Or the other side. That's how stereo microphones work. I'm using this mic to give you a better sense of this space. Which is what I call the woods. Technically, it's a national park, Blue Ridge Parkway. That. That sound is the sound of tires on pavement. You can hear some motor sounds. I hear a leaf blower more car sounds. I'm getting closer to the road now. This bed of leaves, mostly oak, some pine needles, some hickories, some sourwoods, I live in the mountains of western North Carolina, and there's a great variety of species here. It's a really amazing place to be. It's one of the reasons I chose to live here, and I'm so grateful that I'm able to get in it right outside my back door. So, why are we here? Well, I'm going to walk and talk a little bit about that. I wanted to record in the woods today to talk about the third part of my story in this podcast, which is more personal, more connected to nature, more spiritual, uh, has a lot to do with loss, 
life and death and my journey I'm having to duck to get through these woods. It's about my journey and you know like like taking a road trip you don't quite know what you're gonna get but you try and enjoy it. You try to enjoy it. So that is what I'm learning to do. So in this part three of my story, I want to talk about my spiritual journey, which is really the driving force behind all of this. You know, in part one, I talked about writing and discovering this idea that Tony Robbins presented as the success cycle and how I saw in it the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell taught us about. And I saw a connection and I started going deeper into that, looking at my personal history. So this is really about my personal history, my spiritual journey, and I uh, talked about in part two how some books and some authors played a big part in my life, in particular uh, Alexander John Shia and the Quadratus, which is a um, looking at the Christian Gospels as a four-part journey. And then this past spring, I found Martha Beck's book, The Way of Integrity, and I learned how her four-part uh, journey, as she used the story from Dante Alighieri's um, the story of going from the dark wood. Hey, I'm in the woods now. Just made that connection. Not very dark today. Uh, going from the dark wood to hell to purgatory and then to paradise. So that is... Uh, that was illuminating to see someone of such uh, great experience and wisdom talking about this four-part journey. And then the book from Jill Bolte-Taylor that was just amazing, The Four-Part Brain and how the four parts line up to the major characteristics of the cycle. The four parts of the cycle line up with the characters and characteristics which actually are, as she theorizes and shows us the science, they are parts of our brain, the four different parts of our brain, the right brain, left brain being parts, um, the major parts, and then if you divide that into higher and lower, and lower meaning more primitive, higher meaning more evolved. So... Add that to the list with Joseph Campbell and his many books, but 
the one in particular that I think about the most is his interviews with Bill Moyers, you know, more, the more popular, um, his ideas. So that is where I have left you on this journey. And part three is to talk more about my spiritual part. So I'm going to start walking again and try to get away from some of the noise. The noise of the road. Ooh. Some deer poop. Okay. Cool. Oh, a mushroom. Sweet. Oh, man. I'm going to take a picture. It's a red and white mushroom. I haven't seen mushrooms like this in a while. So the time of year here is... Well, it feels like summer, frankly, but it's winter. It's 65 degrees. It's way too hot for the end of February. The natural world is starting to wake up to spring. So maybe that's symbolic too, because this third part, that's where spring is. Well, that's not true. Third part's really more like autumn. Oh well. I won't pursue that metaphor. Where was I before I got distracted? I was talking about my spiritual journey. Okay, so. And why this is the most powerful part of all this. And why this is really is why I'm doing the life coaching thing. That is because... When I was a kid, uh, I used to go out in the in the uh, bay with my dad and in inlets, and we would fish and hunt and just look at birds and and everything, and it was awesome. And I loved it. I loved my dad. I loved that life. Every summer we would go out on the boat and we would spend the night with other families this awesome inlet called North Inlet and we would fish and crab and get oysters and get clams and run the seine net and find all kinds of weird creatures you didn't even know existed and it was awesome and then my dad died to me it was out of the blue you just don't think one of your parents is going to die. Even though you know they're sick. Even though you've prayed every day at dinner. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. And by his hands we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Make my daddy well. Amen. As far as I knew, everybody was praying that prayer. But that last part... Uh, was unique to my family, or at least I learned what it really meant after he died. And so in my teens, you know, I was trying to figure that out. I was an introvert, still am, but uh, I worked to understand that a lot. And I remember reading the first line of a, a book that really was influential and the line was, life is difficult. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me all about it. Seems very obvious. But uh, the author who was 
uh, Scott Peck went on to say in the book The Road Less Traveled that when we accept that life is difficult life gets a little less difficult because we learn to go with it instead of fighting it and so I think that was the beginning of this journey where I started really looking more deeply into life and the meaning of life death the meaning of death nature man as we live within nature started taking a hard look and I'm still taking that look but I've learned a lot and I've gotten to the point where I'm wanting to share some of that and tell folks let's let's look at some of this stuff together because there's great benefit in in learning more about it and and consciously moving through it with greater awareness so uh, after my dad died, uh, my teens were, you know, typical white southern male teens in the sense that I uh, was looking to have fun. And so when I went to college, I joined a fraternity, started drinking a lot, had a lot of fun, made, met a lot of great friends, made a lot of mistakes, uh, eventually stopped doing that. Uh, but towards the end of that phase, I had a, a big change that none of us were asking for. And that was my best friend killed himself. Uh, I was 21. He was 21. Very bright. Good looking. Had a fraternity. Very smart. Very smart. Too smart for his own good, in a way. And Dad, he, uh, I think... In some ways, he just didn't fit in. He was so smart and had a hard time not seeing the negative. Because there's a lot of negative in this world. And uh, we're certainly dealing with a lot of negatives now in our culture. But we're also dealing with a lot of suicides, which is really sad. It's another reason why I feel compelled to do what I'm doing. So... After my friend died, of course, I went into uh, deep grief again with a little bit better understanding of death and life, yet less understanding of why someone would take their own life. And so I started to even more question, more deeply question what it means to be human. And that's when I found Joseph Campbell. I found Carl Jung and his work. I talked a little bit about that. I will talk more in the future about their influence. But needless to say, they gave me a glimpse into this idea of the collective unconscious, that there's a, there's, there's a bed of, of knowing. There's a bed of... Uh, why am I saying bed? I don't know why. But there's this... It's like a, uh, an underground... I like this bed of leaves. You know, there's a lot happening underneath these leaves that are under my under my feet. There's a lot happening. These these leaves used to be above me in these trees and now they're below me. So again, 
life above and death below. And so Campbell um, gave me this idea and this knowledge of, of mythology, the stories that the hero is on this cyclical journey. And, and so many of the stories that we tell are of this cycle. My friend died. I was a little bit of help to my peers, to my friends, because I'd been through it and I'd processed it. At least I like to think I was a little bit of help. Something happened to me in this time around the, after the death, around the funeral time of, of my friend, where um, this just unbelievable peace came into my chest as if it were this golden ball in me, supporting me, um, giving me hope, telling me everything is connected. I'm just now hearing the crow. So, the crow, yeah. <laughs> I have mixed emotions about crows. They're a lot like people. But back to my story. So, the subconscious. I, I started digging deep. I started looking into this. I started realizing, yeah, there's a lot here. There's a lot of meaning here. There's a lot of uh, purpose here. I considered studying it on the PhD level. I went and moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina to investigate that and immediately got sidetracked into computers, digital media, uh, which I was already involved with. I don't regret any of that. I, uh, I'm using those skills today, right now, and telling the story, which I encourage others, and, and I am teaching others and will teach others uh, a little bit about what I know and how to do that. But I started really, at some point, digging deep, and the way I did it was to use writing at first I started looking into the uh, the animals and the places that I had been as a child with my dad uh, being immersed in nature I started finding really deep significance there my friend and I we immersed ourselves together he was part of that group as a child with his father taking him to the same kind of places and doing the same kind of adventures. And so we did some of those adventures together. One of the things we did was to catch a very large shark, which was his idea. And I thought that was cool. And it turned into a very big project and a, uh, a ground-moving event for me when I realized that I didn't want this huge shark to die. Uh, but it did die, and uh, 
you know, that's okay. That's part of my story. That loss was not totally lost. You know, that loss, that, that shark became part, again, uh, of the food chain. Instead of being at the top, it became the bottom of the food chain. And as I stand here in the woods, there's a connection there that, uh, like those leaves, you know, they, they once fed the tree with sugar and, and sunshine, and now they feed the tree with dirt, roots, water, and uh, all the mysteries and magicness of, of the soil that's down below. Kind of like that collective unconscious. We'll never really fully understand it, but if we can begin to appreciate it uh, more and more, then we can get back to some of the benefits we used to know before we got so smart <laughs> and started messing up the planet. Anyway, that's another that's another tangent. That's part of part of my story too. But getting back to the dealing with the with the, the symbols. Uh, I was writing about nature. I was. I began drawing and doing um, doodles, which became symbols. They became characters. They became living things that kept reappearing. It's really. I still don't understand what how these things happened. How, how something that just appeared at the end of a pen or paintbrush, pencil how I started giving them meaning. I guess that's what we do as humans. We, we give things meaning. Someone's hammering. So that writing, the drawing, the painting, the thinking, the meditating. I started meditating a lot. Uh, a photography teacher taught our class uh, how to meditate. And I would do it before I started doing this creative, dealing with, dealing with the losses, coming to terms with my friend's death, my dad's death, all the connections to nature that I had been exposed to as a child and was beginning to reconnect with as someone in my 20s who moved to the mountains and learned how amazing the connections are between these Plants, animals, rocks, minerals, wind, water, sunlight, uh, the different beings that move through this landscape. So amazing. And I have to say I don't really fully understand what nature has to do with my work, but I know it's central, which is, again, why I'm out here recording and talking to you today. Um, I grew up in a church in coastal South Carolina, an Episcopal church, and like every other kid there, heard all the stories and left there wondering what they meant, if they meant anything. So that's part of my questioning, of course, if you're going to look at life and death, you've got to do it within the context of the culture you were raised in, the beliefs you were raised in. So I questioned those beliefs, and I encourage you to question 
your beliefs, but I also encourage you to stay on that journey and follow it through. Because when I followed it through, when I looked into the abyss of suicide and death and loss, I realized that's not where I want to be. I realized that hope is the only thing worth living for and having. Hope became a big... um, All the drawings I did, hope shined through, literally, the light and the darkness. Um, I'll talk more about that later. But I connect it to the hope that took residence in my chest for a few weeks right after the death of my friend. I can't explain that. It's a mystery. But I know what it was. It was a loving, beautiful, all-connecting, all-knowing spirit that I had the opportunity to feel very uh, directly in a way that I'll never forget. And I'm grateful. So that's part of why I'm here telling this story. All that happened in my 20s. And my 30s, I started family. Put lots of focus on that. Also started um, doing more and more Bible study with, with other men. And learned so much from my friends as they were going through similar uh, challenges, life and death challenges, in different ways. I lost some friends, you know, Uh, friends that died too soon. And we, um, you know, we went through that together. And so I now know that you don't have to do this alone. We're never, we're never alone. We just think we are. We're always connected. We just don't think we are. But I know that we are. And that gives me hope. So I want to give you that. And I encourage you just to study deep. I, I encourage you to study uh, ancient texts. They're ancient for a reason, meaning they've stuck around for a reason. They're still here. They're still meaningful. They're still relevant if you put in that effort. So I encourage you there. My spiritual life is the driver behind all this. And again, I can't, I can't explain it. Uh, but I've come to the point where I don't need to explain it. I don't need to know why. I just know it I just know what it is just like when a symbol appeared underneath my my pencil I knew what that meant I had no logical reason to know what it was but I know what that symbol means to me does it mean it to you it doesn't matter it might could mean something totally different it doesn't matter that is a part of my understanding and it's something that I know and so I'm bringing that knowing uh, into a larger sphere at least I hope to but it's not up to me I'm not on this alone 
Um, there, there are many others like me who are on similar journeys. And I know that some of you listeners out there are on that journey and you, and you are recognizing that too. So I would just encourage you to keep going. So let's walk a little bit. sky above me it's gray I feel like it might rain any minute the air is pretty thick with humidity it feels good I am on a path it's kind of hard to get through I'm having to duck I've lost the trail. There's a metaphor for you. Losing the trail. As Joseph Campbell would say, you have to blaze your own trail. I'm not exactly encouraged in public lands, but mind your step. Ooh, speaking of steps, almost stepped on a little baby holly tree oh and look I'm digging around and I see some acorns in that dirt right beside it I see some red ants boy when you stop and look you'll really see stuff so I'm gonna end with this this little holly that's popping up here uh, three leaves. Boy, something's chewing on it. The leaves are very ragged and broken. Some insects have made it lunch. It might not make it, but there are other hollies out here that will. I'm looking around. I see a lot of little saplings, mostly white pines. But this reminds me of something I was recently told. I did a session with Rob Bell where he sits uh, on a Zoom call in his backyard in California and, and uh, talks to people about their challenges. So in these little small groups, Rob imparts some of his wisdom as an author, a speaker, uh, a spiritual leader. Definitely check him out if you haven't heard of Rob Bell. Go look him up. But what he said was, you know, just go in your backyard and look around and say to yourself, what's growing out there? What's coming up? What idea? What, what change is happening? What new growth? What new green shoot? Is coming up out of the dirt unexpected that you weren't looking for you didn't plant it but there it is anyway and you recognize that it's significant now there's a part of you that knows what that green shoot is it's stirred in you 
Maybe you're conscious of it already. Maybe you're not. But I think it's there. What's that green shoot? What could it be? What if you kept watching it? What if you decided to give it some energy? Help make it grow. Encourage it. Ask it what it wants to be. See some more hollies on the ground. Very cool. So I'm going to leave you with that thought. What is growing in your backyard? Are you giving it the time it needs? Maybe that thing it needs is some peace and quiet. Maybe you just need to relax a little bit. Slow down. Take a walk in the woods. Let it all go. Just see what you might find. Because I think there's a lot out there worth looking for. And that's the end of part three of my story. I'm David Bourne. You can learn more about my story. Part one, part two. The change cycle, which is the natural cycle of life and death, of loss and rebirth. I call the change cycle the recreation cycle. Because I think it's ultimately about making something new out of something old. I'm here to help you. If you want to reach out, please do. You can find my contact information at davidborn.com. We can talk about it, see if a conversation would help you move that a little bit into greater prominence in your life. Let's see what else we can hear out here. I hear the wind and the tops of the trees <laughs> right along with those cars on the highway. I hear the blower. Someone trying to beautify their yard. I hear the high pitch of the chickadee, the raspy call of the crow, the knocking at the woodpecker against the dead oak. I hear all that. It all belongs just like we do. I'll leave with I'll leave it with that, folks. Hope you have a great day. And we'll see you next time. I'm David Bourne.